talk them anytime you want at your virtue restaurant. Welcome back, humans. In this week's episode, our virtue is humility. And our menu title for this virtue is the kids meal. The kids meal. Why? Because if you know anything about the Gospels, you know that somewhere, somewhere in those Gospels, Jesus says to his disciples that you must turn and become like little children. And we associate that turning and becoming like little children with humility. It's it's smallness. It's recognizing our need for God and, and our... Um, defects, you could say, our dependency on God, like a, like a child is dependent on its parent. To dig a little deeper into that idea of understanding where we stand in, play, in uh, relation to God, we're going to talk about humility as self-knowledge. That's how the dialogue talks about, and that's how Catherine of Siena talks about it in her letters. She always talks about humility in conjunction with self-knowledge. So, to begin, I'm going to go back to something I had read before, where God says to Catherine about courage being tested by those who insult and slander you. He says, Then consider the virtue of steadfast courage. It is tested when you have to suffer much from people's insults and slanders, which would like to drag you away from the way and teaching of the truth, either by abuse or flattery. I'm going to stop there. This relates to humility in the sense that some people might try to draw you away from truth and away from Jesus and away from God by flattery. And it won't necessarily be always, you know, your looks or your bank account or your house or the car you drive or your clothes or whatever. It may not be earthly possessions. It may be your quote-unquote virtues. They may say to you, oh, you're a very devoted person. Oh, you're very patient. Oh, you're very kind. Oh, you love God a lot, and you do this well, and you do that well, and you're such a great person. Look how holy you are. As we talked about in a previous episode, Satan can use that trick to cause you to turn away from God, to slowly and steadily make you less dependent on God because you start to convince yourself, oh, well, I'm a good person, right? How many times have you heard people say that? I'm a good person. I don't kill anybody. I'm a good person. I've got this going for me and I've got that going for me and and everything's okay. I'm a good person. Are you though? Are you really? You should ask yourself that question. They can draw you away from the teaching of truth by flattery. And you can do that yourself by flattering yourself saying, oh well, I do this well, and I do that well, and everything's perfectly fine. I'm okay, you're okay, everybody's okay. Are we really okay? No, I don't think so. Moving on, God says to Catherine, It is only reasonable that those who receive more should give more in return, 
and the greater the gift, the greater the bond of indebtedness. How greatly were they indebted to me then, since I had given them their very existence, creating them in my image and likeness. They owed me glory, but they stole it from me and took it to themselves instead. They violated the obedience I had laid on them and so became my enemies. But with humility I destroyed their pride. I stooped to take on their humanity, rescued them from their slavery to the devil, and made them free. And more than this, can you see, through this union of the divine nature with the human, God was made human and humanity was made God. What God is talking about there is the gift of his son, the salvation that comes through the life and death and resurrection of his son. God lays out for Catherine how these people, instead of receiving that grace, instead of giving glory to God because of that grace, they give it, they take it for themselves. They don't give the glory back to God. They take it for themselves, and they flatter themselves. Oh, look, it doesn't really matter what I do. Jesus died for my sins, and I'm a good person. You're taking that glory for yourself. Instead of praising God for what he did in the midst of your sinfulness, you're taking it for yourself. As God says to her, they not only fail to recognize my graces for what they are, but sometimes even think I am abusing them, I who want nothing but their sanctification. I tell you, it will go harder for them in view of the grace they have received, and they will be deserving of greater punishment. They will be more severely punished now that they have been redeemed by my son's blood than they would have been before that redemption, before the scar of Adam's sin was removed. I want you to understand this, my daughter. I created humankind anew in the blood of my only begotten son and reestablished them in grace. But they have scorned the graces I gave them and still give them. They go from bad to worse, from sin to sin, constantly repaying me with insults. What are these insults? Taking that grace for yourself. That glory, I mean, taking that glory for yourself and not giving it back to God. And in, in the midst of this, thinking that because some hardship befalls you, that God is somehow abusing you. And losing sight of the fact that he wants your sanctification. Everything that happens to you in your life, he has allowed for your sanctification. That's the only thing he wants. So he says that pride must be destroyed, and it has been destroyed by his humility. Setting you free from the devil. Uniting divine nature with human nature. Making divine... making. God, human, and making humanity God. We're going to pause right there. We're at a turning point. We're going to go to an ad, and then we'll be right back. Okay, picking up where we left off, we have so far covered that humility is a type of self-knowledge. In the dialogue and in Catherine's writings, humility is a type of self-knowledge. And knowing where you stand in relation to God. 
and God has lamented to Catherine how people who know about the sacrifice of God's son still don't really accept it. They still take that glory for themselves. And God says that they will actually be punished more harshly because of this. So what is the remedy? What is the remedy to this? How do we, how do we get out of this? How do we stop this? God says to Catherine, Because they owe me so much love, if they refuse it, their sin is all the greater. My divine justice punishes them so much more severely in eternal damnation. False Christians fare much worse there than do pagans. Whoa. Watch out. The fire of divine justice torments them the more, burning without consuming. And in their torment, they feel themselves being eaten by the worm of conscience, which eats away without eating up. For the damned, for all their torment, cannot cease to exist. Indeed, they beg for death, but cannot have it. They cannot cease to exist. By their sin, they can lose the life of grace, but not their very being. It's a terrible existence. So sin is punished far more severely after people have been redeemed by the blood than before. For they have received more, but they seem to ignore it and to take no notice of their evil deeds. Though I once reconciled them to myself through the blood of my son, they have become my enemies. But I have one remedy to calm my wrath. Here's the remedy. My servants who care enough to press me with their tears and bind me with the chain of their desire... You see, you have bound me with that chain, and I myself gave you that chain because I wanted to be merciful to the world. Let me repeat that. I wanted to be merciful to the world. I put into my servants a hunger and longing for my honor and the salvation of souls so that I might be forced by their tears to soften the fury of my divine justice. There's the remedy. Us. Other Christians. If you see somebody who is a false Christian, who's only Christian, Christian in name only, God says the remedy for that is you. You, your prayer for them. Your weeping over their sins. Your distraughtedness. I don't know if, if that's a word. I think I might have made up a word. But you are being distraught over their sin. God says to Catherine is like a chain binding him. And he wants you to do that. Because he wants to be merciful to them. So, destroying pride with humility, God has given us immense grace. But if we lose that knowledge, after having been given the grace, then we suffer even more. That's what God is saying. And the remedy is other people's prayer. And your prayer for them can open their eyes. One thing that you should ask for them is that, that faith, again, that light to see their sins and that humility to recognize where they stand and that they should give that glory back to God so that they don't incur a worse punishment. Is it just me saying this or is it somewhere in the dialogue? Let's see. Let's skip ahead. God says to Catherine, Every perfection and every virtue proceeds from charity. Charity is nourished by humility. 
if you remember from my episode on charity, that is going out of yourself in order to love another. It's the opposite of selfishness. And humility comes from knowledge and holy hatred of oneself. That is, of one's selfish sensuality. To attain charity, you must dwell constantly in the cell of self-knowledge. For in knowing yourself, you will come to know my mercy in the blood of my only begotten Son, thus drawing my divine charity to yourself with your love. And you must exercise yourself in tearing out every perverse desire, whether spiritual or material, while you are hidden away within your house. So here again, if you if you know anything about Catherine of Siena, if you've ever studied any of her writings before, you know that she talks about this cell of self-knowledge a whole lot. But we see all of these virtues connected together. Like I had said before, how charity, God says to Catherine, charity is the root of all virtue. Why? Because charity is a hatred for my selfishness. God says a hatred for yourself, and, and then he corrects that, or clarifies that by saying it's your selfishness, hatred for your selfishness. So you pray for these people to come to that awareness, to come to that humility, that hatred of my selfishness. By your charity toward them, you can inspire charity in them. As we said before, charity is that hatred of selfishness, that wanting to give love to God and to others and even to myself. And and God says humility comes from self-knowledge. Humility and self-knowledge feed each other because in a certain sense, humility is self-knowledge. Humility is recognizing my dependence on God. Sometimes we can think that humility is is just a, oh, I'm not really that great, you know. Look, thinking down on myself, you know, I'm not, I'm not really that great. I may do some good things, but I'm not really that great. And that, that can be part of it. But in all reality, humility is recognizing exactly who and what you are. Saying, yes, I may be good at some of these things. These are my strengths. But over here, these are the things I'm not good at. These are my weaknesses. These are my sins. These are the ways that I am still dependent on God. And in fact, I am always dependent on God, even in the good things I do. So that, in the dialogue, and for Catherine of Siena, is humility. It's, it's self-knowledge. It's just honesty about who I am and what my relation is to God. And God says to Catherine that nourishes charity. Charity is nourished by humility, by that honesty, by that recognition. It nourishes charity. You can then give love to yourself. You can give love to others, recognizing that they're in a similar situation. They also have strengths and weaknesses. And you can hate that selfishness within yourself. Hate that, you know, it's all about me. When you recognize, when you're honest about it, when you're humble about it, you're honest about the fact that sometimes I'm selfish. Sometimes that does happen. Sometimes all I really want is what's good for me, and I don't care about other people. Just be honest about that. And God says that will nourish charity. That will make you hate that selfishness and grow in charity and want to give to other people. And 
As I will repeat, God says, For in knowing yourself you will come to know my mercy in the blood of my only begotten Son. So as to recap, or to conclude what I said before about God lamenting these false Christians, when you grow in humility, you will grow in understanding of God's mercy. When you constantly remind yourself who you are, and where you stand, then you will love God's mercy. You will understand God's mercy. You will come to know my mercy in the blood of my only begotten Son, thus drawing my divine charity to yourself with your love. You say, all right, God, I may have done a few things good, but I don't do all things good, and I still need you. That's the reality. I still need you. I still need your mercy. And just that recognition, God is saying, will draw God to yourself. Increase the mercy. Increase the charity. We're going to stop there. We will recap again in the next episode. And then we'll move on to our next virtue, which will be, oh, guess what? Knowledge! Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a very blessed day. Y'all come back now, you hear?